This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now, the big event in the United States the last 48 hours has been the state visit by President Macron and his wife. It's the first state visit Joe Biden has hosted since he became president. And of course, the war in Ukraine was very much a subject they were concerned with. But elsewhere in the United States, there were other and arguably more important matters under consideration. And late last night, an appeal court came up with a decision that will have a particular bearing on the Mar-a-Lago documents that Donald Trump had harvested away down there, and the FBI had to go in and, and find. And we're joined now from Washington by Niall Stanage, Niall Associate Editor of The Hill newspaper and White House columnist for The Hill. Niall, this is very important, judgment by an appeal court. It is. And what it does really is speed along the investigation into what happened at Mar-a-Lago with these documents, uh, some of which were marked as classified, over 100, and then there was a a broader tranche of documents. And to make a long story short, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago in August. They got about 13,000 documents in total, not all of them classified, to be clear, just a total haul of about 13,000 documents. And uh, they were obviously, ha- having got those documents through a legal search warrant, would be able to use them for a criminal investigation into Mr. Trump. He then objected vigorously and claimed that uh, many of these documents were either his personal property or protected by attorney-client privilege or protected by executive privilege. The He went to a court with that argument a judge originally, a woman by the name of Aileen Cannon, who had been appointed to him, by him, very controversially uh, appointed a figure called a special master to review those documents and to adjudicate on Trump's claims. The importance of what has happened within the past 24 hours is that these three judges have said, in essence, that original judge was wrong to do that, that the special master shouldn't really have been appointed to review these documents, and that given that the search warrant and raid were kosher, it is fine for investigators to use these documents to 
in, in whatever legitimate criminal inquiry they wish, uh, rather than being uh, bogged down in claims by the Trump team on each of 13,000 documents. Yes, and Donald Trump has all through his life really been involved with courts and allegations and his tactic has always been delay, delay, delay. Mm. And the special master in this instance that you're referring to at Mar-a-Lago, it would have been a delaying factor. So that speeds up that particular investigation, which is critical, of course. Yes, and that really is the whole um, importance of it. I mean, the argument once a special master was appointed was one of um, frustration from the government side or from the investigator side. It wasn't really that they believed that was going to undo their case at a stroke. It was the fact that they would then have to wait for this rather painstaking process of lawyers for each side making arguments before this special master, potentially for almost every document or a very large number of documents, which would just have bogged the thing down. So the significance of the judgment that we're talking about, the most recent one, is that it amounts to a lifting of a roadblock to the investigation. Yes. It's been a bad week for Trump. Mm. And one particular matter is staggering. And that is the fact that Trump hosted a dinner Mm. for Kanye West Mm-hmm. who is a well-known anti-Semite mm-hmm. and effectively a racist, and another gentleman who is a Holocaust denier mm. and a very, very disreputable, dangerous character who might be guilty of anything. You might tell me who his name is, because West I know mm. of, as most people seem to. Yes, the other character is Nick Fuentes, who is a extreme right wing figure who has sort of a very young uh, man, rather dangerous man, who sort of made his name uh, primarily online and, and sort of broadcasting and, and through that medium. Um, and he is, as you say, someone who has sort of mocked uh, the idea of the Holocaust. He is a uh, white nationalist. He has, uh, as you say, you know, views that would be by any reasonable measure way beyond uh, those that could be deemed acceptable, uh, whether one is conservative or liberal. Um, he and Kanye West uh, rocked up to Mar-a-Lago for dinner. Um, that has caused massive controversy, as you might imagine. Uh, the idea of a former president of the United States hosting such people around his dinner table is clearly a massive problem. One interesting thing I would say about this controversy, Eamon, is that there has, for once, been quite vigorous criticism of Trump from other Republicans. And to me, that's partly because people like Nick Fuentes are so indefensible, um, but it's also because Um, Trump is in a weakened position after the midterm elections, which we discussed before. Um, A number of his uh, endorsees lost, and there is a broader case that has even been made in some segments of the Republican Party that he, uh, Trump, essentially cost them the so-called red wave that they were expecting. Uh, To make a long story short, Democrats held on to the Senate, surprising many people, and limited their losses in the House to a very modest number of seats. So that's the overall political backdrop. Yes, and Trump, of course, is claiming, well, he's 
a longtime associate stroke friend of Kanye West, mm. who is an anti-Semite. And there's no doubt about the other man either. Mm. The other significant event this week was a federal jury in Washington on Tuesday found the founder of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, and another person, Kelly Maggs, found them guilty of seditious conspiracy, which is very, very serious. This is in relation to January 6th and what happened on that day. Now, seditious conspiracy carries a 20-year prison sentence, and it does actually go to the heart of what the January 6th committee has been really showing us and demonstrating by its fairly meticulous investigation Mm -hmm. into January the 6th. And that, too, that idea of seditious conspiracy, Mm -hmm. that is a serious threat, is it not? Not just for these people who were found guilty this week, Mm -hmm. but for Donald Trump and a lot of the people who were around him on that day and in the days leading up to it. Yes, I think it is on the basis that, firstly, as you correctly say, it's a serious charge. I mean, seditious conspiracy, as the word suggests, is, you know, conspiring against the legitimacy of the state, against the legitimacy of the government. Yeah, and in this case, a conspiracy to stop the transfer of power Mm. from one administration that had lost the election to another. Exactly. It cannot be more blatant and it cannot be possibly more serious. That's right, yes. I mean, an an absolute bedrock of democracy in this country, or any democracy, is the peaceful transfer of power. And this is what these people were trying to disrupt, including, I might say, in the case of the Oath Keepers, organizing in their militia-like way a so-called quick reaction force just across the river from Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia, um, ready to, well, apparently ready to take uh, armed action if the situation had had presented itself. So, yes, this is very serious. To your other point about how it reflects upon Trump and his sort of band of people around him, it is a very strong rebuttal to the... Trumpian argument that this was sort of um, a, a protest that got out of hand or people raising objections to the election and then getting caught up in the moment. I mean, the whole point of seditious conspiracy is a plan to thwart the legitimacy of the government or the nation or the democracy. And even though, to be clear, I mean, I don't think there's any possibility of Trump facing that offense as a charge at any point. But the fact that these two people have been convicted is evidence or proof of the seriousness of what was going on. And what was going on was, of course, being incited by Trump. That's why he was impeached for the second time. Yes, and Rudy Giuliani would be another person, the former mayor of New York, who's been hanging around Trump for years and become a very discredited figure. Mark Meadows was, I think, Trump's last chief of staff. That's right. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's now in Congress, she was hanging around. Mm. And there was a fellow called Eastman, who's a lawyer. All Mm. of those people were plotting in the White House how to put pressure on Mike Pence, whose job it was on that day, January 6th, to formally validate 
the election results, which they were trying to get him not to do. That's right. I mean, there was an enormous push to pressure Pence to decline to certify the legitimate results of the election. There were all sorts of rather uh, ominous and weird plots to send uh, alternate electors who would back Trump uh, against the against the popular vote in their states to get involved in all of this. Uh, Pence obviously was in mortal danger. I mean, that's, not, that's yes. not an exaggeration at all. I mean, people were shouting for him to be hanged famously, and there's footage of him and the people around him essentially taking cover in the, in the Capitol with rioters very close to him. So, I mean, again, all of this just brings up the whole specter of January the 6th, which is such a stain on Trump's legacy and does actually impede him to some degree, uh, even as he seeks the 2024 Republican nomination. Now, another thing I saw this week, and you'll tell me the significance of it, was an attempt in Arizona to refuse to certify the results of the midterm elections, which didn't go too well or as well as they wanted for the Republicans. Mm. That's a kind of a consequence, isn't it, of the January 6th business, the whole Trump business, that election results now are no longer uh, guaranteed to produce the outcome the voters voted for. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is a, a quite a localized story that has quite national uh, significance, which is essentially um, two um, election officials in a particular county in Arizona um, just declined to certify the results from their county, which then disrupts the whole broader process, obviously, of validating the results on a statewide basis. And these two uh, Republican officials said that they they didn't actually have any doubt about the results in their county. They were objecting to the results in a different county, which is heavily Democratic. Without getting into the minutiae of all that, the point I think that your question rightly raises is the extent to which Trump's false claims of election fraud have empowered or inspired these kind of uh, protests. Ideas, yeah. yeah, exactly, ideas, um, where people feel that they can take it upon themselves to just say, well, we're not going to uh, validate those election results or we're going to object to them or we're not going to certify them. I think ultimately in Arizona, <clears throat> excuse me, ultimately in Arizona, I think it will all get sorted. But this kind of toxicity has been injected into the bloodstream of politics here, and it's really dangerous. Yes, and Mitch McConnell spoke out strongly against Trump this week as well, I notice. It just appears, Niall, that Trump has become extremely damaged goods. Mm. Well, just leave out extremely, but damaged goods for Many in the Republican Party, and before the midterms, when Barack Obama and Biden both said, as did many other observers, that democracy was really on the ballot paper here. Mm. And they've been saying this for a long time, since January 6th, really, that there was a force in high places, Trump being the highest of former president, to really do away with democracy as the United States has known it, mm. and to appoint people, and they have appointed people, haven't they, Niall, all around the country mm. who might do what that brave man in Georgia refused to do, which was find some votes for the Donald. 
Yeah, I mean, this has always been the danger and the worry that you can get a very comparatively few people who are very engaged at a hyper-local level to elect or select people who would be willing to do Trump's bidding. Now, one of the interesting things about the midterms is that that the the other argument, the pro-democracy argument, or the democracy is in danger argument, um, carried the day in important ways, yes. narrowly in many instances, but nonetheless, a lot of the most uh, Trumpian kind of figures, a woman called Carrie Lake, for example, who was running for governor in Arizona, lost. She was presented in some quarters as sort of female Trump, um, somebody who does is from the world of television, does have communication skills, but utilizes those to make all sorts of wild claims about election fraud and all the rest of it. She lost. Other Trump endorsees also lost. And so the midterms, I think, were important in really uh, invigorating or strengthening the voices within the Republican Party who argued that Trump is actually an electoral liability to them. That doesn't mean that they're all going to become um, sort of uh, nice, soft, center-right kind of figures. There's a lot of support, as you and I have spoken about before, for yes. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who's who's quite a hard-right figure, actually, yes. but without the baggage and chaos that Trump tends to bring in his wake. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now this week, there is evidence of a shift. The Senate moved a bill forward to protect same-sex marriage, and this can pass through the House of 
representatives before January 1st, when the Republicans will have a majority there. It's quite important and interesting that they felt the need to protect same-sex marriage. But of course, it is understood or believed by some people that the Supreme Court have their eye on same-sex marriage, as it were. Yes, that's right. This is a effort that really emerged after the Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade and its constitutional guarantee of the right to abortion. When that decision was made, Justice Clarence Thomas, one of the most conservative judges on the Supreme Court, made an argument in uh, his opinion that seemed to suggest that if Roe versus Wade could be struck down, you could use the same legal basis on it to remove uh, a number of other rights that currently exist, one of those being uh, same-sex marriage. Now, the Senate has now, as you say, moved forward this plan to offer a federal protection whereby same-sex marriages would be recognized nationwide, and therefore that dulls the threat from the Supreme Court. Uh, Worth mentioning, maybe, Eamon, that uh, same-sex marriage is an issue on which the American public has moved um, enormously within 15 or 20 years, and it is supported now by depends which poll you look at, but around three quarters of the population. And even when the Senate passed this bill on Tuesday, um, they did get 12 Republican votes. Now, that's obviously a minority of all Republicans in the Senate, but it's not insignificant. And it it was critical to uh, passing this bill, which, of course, was backed by all Democrats. Now, the January 6th committee, on which Liz Cheney has been very prominent, she's, I think, the deputy chair of it, They are out of business once power is transferred to Republicans on January 1st. They still have to complete their business. Mm. The question I have for you is this. Can they make referrals to the Department of Justice Mm. on matters they believe are criminal for investigation? Because much of this stuff about, for example, the seditious conspiracy and Trump's behavior and the behavior of many other people, they are matters of criminality. Is the January 6th committee's work Mm. and should they choose to referrals to the Department of Justice, is that still valid or have they Mm. wasted a lot of effort for nothing? No, they can make referrals, but those referrals are not Binding. In other words, you can make a recommendation or say, we have found this, we believe it to be criminal, over to you, Department of Justice. The Department of Justice, if it so wishes, can ignore that, however. Now, I mean, I'm talking there only in general uh, abstract terms. In the reality of this case, the Department of Justice has its own investigation going on into the events of January the 6th as well as the Mar-a-Lago matter. And there was recently on the DOJ's side a special counsel appointed to spearhead both of those investigations. But to your point about the committee, it is is true that it will be 99.9% certain, if not 100% certain, to be disbanded the moment Republicans have the House majority. That does not, however, necessarily mean that its work has been pointless 
it is expected to issue uh, some form of report. It could make a referral to the Department of Justice if it wishes, or it could say, we, the evidence that we have um, procured is now available in this report. You have seen the, the hearings that we uh, hosted or arranged on Capitol Hill. We have therefore completed our investigative work, and this is what we have found. They need, obviously, to do all of that very quickly because they're not going to exist as a committee for very much longer. Now, on the question of Trump, and clearly this has been a very bad week for him, Mm. and it's even by his standards the notion that he would host a Holocaust denier, Mm. and indeed Kanye West, who is a permanently anti-Semitic person Mm. with a long track record of that dreadful stuff. Is Trump in trouble now? Quite separately from his legal troubles, which are are abundant, Mm. as a vote-getter, say with independents, Niall, Mm. who are critical, I believe more people declare as independents now than ever before or for a Mm. long time, Mm. is he toast? I don't think he's toast, but I do think he's damaged. Uh, he is he is burnt. Um, I mean, I think that the problem is with independence of people in the middle ground. There are a certain share of the population um, who will be with Trump come hell or high water. Yes. And we know that. It's about 35% of the population. Similarly, there's probably a slightly larger share that just will never vote for him under any circumstances because of because they're so appalled by his conduct uh, over a long period of time. The problem, I think, for Trump is he needs those soft supporters in the middle, people who voted for him in 2016 in particular, to uh, stay with him and to be uh, ideally uh, added to. And the problem with a controversy like the uh, Kanye West, Nick Fuentes thing, is that it erodes uh, support from its current level. Again, we have to distinguish Yemen between the battle for the Republican nomination, where I think he would probably still be a favorite, though a less prohibitive favorite than he has been, and a general election where he would face a much, much more difficult yes. task. So those are the two you know, issues. Now, the legal issues, and Merrick Garland is the Attorney General, and he is the person who must really prosecute matters of criminality in relation to anybody. Trump is not immune, is he? I mean, this is one of the, apparently, this this judgment we talked about at the beginning of our conversation now of last night mm. seems to suggest that Trump is not immune mm. from indictment and prosecution. Am I wrong about that? No, no, you're, you're right. I mean, he, he could very I mean, much... He's broken the law... Mm. in relation to the documents, the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago, mm. Mar-a-Lago, and repeatedly lied about the fact that they weren't there, he hadn't. Mm. And apparently there's more that he hasn't given up. Mm. Is he immune at this stage? No, surely not. No, no, he's not, no. And in fact, the Mar-a-Lago point that you raise is an important one. I mean, it just seems on its face that there is evidence there of obstruction because of the whole long process, which I won't go into every step of, but the long process by which he was legally asked for documents and appears to have not given them and then given them partially and otherwise tried to wriggle out of giving them up. I mean, that does appear just 
obviously to be obstruction. Maybe the Department of Justice, maybe the special counsel will, will reach a different conclusion or will think that the evidence isn't sufficiently overwhelming to secure the conviction of a former president of the United States. But the jeopardy is certainly very real. Um, January the 6th is, uh, in, in, a, in a criminal sense against Trump, a bit more complicated because you would need to really establish an evidentiary proof of him uh, directly um, organizing illegal acts and he may be able to get away from that one. The the other uh, thing that I think tends to be underreported or underemphasized, Eamon, is that there's an investigation in the state of Georgia into attempts by Trump and his allies to overturn the election there in 2020. Yes. And that, in my view, poses pretty serious peril to Trump, not least because there's a recording of that call that you already alluded yes. to uh, earlier on in our conversation, where Trump in this sort of mafioso fashion uh, threatens the state Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, about finding him enough votes. I mean, it's very difficult to skate away from that when there is such um, uh, obvious and unimpeachable evidence of uh, those efforts. And one should point out about Mr. Raffensperger that he was a Republican mm -hmm. and he voted for Trump. Yes, I mean, but conservative. Still, but still, he did the right thing by his country. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He's a conservative Republican, and, but stood up to very considerable pressure to do the right thing. Okay. Uh, where does life just hope now? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for joining us, as always, Niall. We're very grateful to you. Niall Stanich is Associate Editor of The Hill and White House columnist for that paper. We're grateful to Niall, as always, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.